Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from around the world. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. John Rudd. Dr. John Rudd is an Olympic gold medal swimming coach and Swim Island's National Performance Director. In recent years, John has directly coached three world records, both long course and short course, and several European and Commonwealth records. John's coaching history sees him having directly coached one or more gold medalists at every international meet on the calendar, including senior youth and junior medals, short course and long course, at Commonwealth, European, World and Olympic Games levels. In recent years, John has been named as International Coach of the Year, World Junior Coach of the Year and European Coach of the Year, as well as having won the British Swimming Coach of the Year Award on two occasions. Uh, John has served as a senior international head coach at Olympic, World and European and also Commonwealth levels for Great Britain, Lithuania, England, Ireland and Turkey. And as a senior international coach for the Netherlands and Kenya, John is the current vice president of the World Swimming Coaches Association and his professional social media outlets can be found on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn if you want to find out more about today's terrific guest, Dr. John Rod. John, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today on Vista Talks. It's a pleasure, Sam, and a pleasure always to speak with you. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's uh, It's been quite a while since we last met in person uh, due to the obvious global implications that a pandemic has, but I do recall you delivered a fantastic keynote at one of our Think Global uh, Awards um, winners announcements if I'm if I'm not mistaken it was the European one as opposed to the USA one and I think it was in the huge stadium Crow Park in Dublin Ireland if I'm not mistaken but that was probably a couple of years ago now yeah it was and um, I, I really enjoyed that it was it, it was um it was one of those rare times where I get to to speak to a group of people that that are not particularly or, or, or specifically related to sport and um, because I do think that there's a there's a, a whole myriad of of connections between high performance sport, high performance business, high performance education, and so to get people in a room that that have been tremendously successful in a in a different field to that of your own, and to and to network in that kind of way, it was a it was a great opportunity, and I, and I very much enjoyed spending that time with you. So let's move on to today's show. Uh, I've got a few topics that I'd like to touch on. Um, and particularly, I suppose, we can't ignore the fact that we are seeing vaccines for the first time. We've all been on lockdown at various stages around the world. You obviously have coached and are in contact with people in a uh, quite a broad international capacity uh, in your current uh, roles. I'm just wondering about the global impact the pandemic has had on your own organizations, how it's imp impacted sport and exercise, and your initial thoughts on the impacts, uh, John. Well, there's no doubt that it's had an impact that, you know, as with most walks of life, it's been, um, it's been extremely challenging for the last uh, 10 months or so to, to try and try and keep our sport alive, try and keep the company 
uh, vibrant, you know, the national governing body of our sport, vibrant and, and sustainable. And, um, you know, we've always got to bear in mind that whatever our personal agendas are, um, there's, there's something much bigger than, than who we are and what we're about. And, and, and we're about, you know, as a society at this moment in time, we're about keeping people out of hospital and, and, and keeping people alive. And so although, you know, there may be frustrations at times around um, what we're permitted to do and what we're not permitted to do, we've, we've got to keep that very much in our minds. Um, but what, <clears throat> what we found um, to be the most challenging thing, I think, is the roller coaster nature of, of responding to, to various levels of restrictions and rising numbers in COVID and then reducing numbers in COVID. And we just get something started again and we're, we're, we're in training and then we're out of training and we're in competition and then we're out of competition. And, um, and I think that we've, we're now learning to deal with that. It's, you know, the, 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 um, the cliche has become the new normal. Well, I don't think this is the new normal anymore. It's just normal. It's just, it's just how it is. And I think that it's going to be like this for, for months to come yet. The vaccines will ultimately start to have an impact on the way that, that society can operate. But um, there's going to be, need to be a critical mass of vaccines taking place before we get anything like that. So it's, it, it's going to be like this for, for quite some time. And, and I think it's about, it's about lateral thinking and, and, and thinking outside of the box as to unpick what it is that you're doing and reassemble it in a way that gives maximum value you can give to your membership or your participants or your clients, but at the same time, being able to put your hand on your heart and say, and what we're doing isn't, isn't really going to do anything significant to increase these numbers. In fact, we're going to, we're going to help and support in a way. And that that's required people like me to very much get out of their comfort zones you know how many how many books and courses do you do that says by the way just in case there's a pandemic this is what you do you know that, that such things don't exist and governments are finding that leadership and management in all areas are finding that but i do think that what what it's forced us all um to to really focus on over this time is is agility and flexibility in the way that we think and the way that we operate. And you've always got to have a plan B or a contingency in your back pocket. Because quite often, you know, you get 24 or 48 hours notice that the regulations have changed and you've got to, you've got to be ready on the hoof. You know, there's, there's no, well, we'll sit down and think about it for seven days. Uh, you, you know, you've got to be ready to go. And I think that with every day that passes, we've got more of those ploys and more of those um, strategies uh, kind, of, kind of ready. And it's a case of responding to what, what we see and what we're told and what we're given and then uh, responding to that quickly so that we get, the very, we get the very best from our business, we get the very best from our sport, um, but we're also doing the very best for what society needs at any one time. Perfect. And uh, the word agility came up there, which is it's, um, it's very top of mind for me because in the Vista Tech world, Agility has been crucial um, because a lot of the global clients that VistaTech works with around the world have had to respond massively and fast quickly uh, in order to either uh, survive in some cases, unfortunately. But for a lot of the major brands that VistaTech deals with, 
agility has come in the form of, uh, particularly in technology sectors, particularly in uh, sort of online ordering type environments, and of course in life sciences that that VistaTech is involved in heavily. Um, the requirement for global content to get communication and language right internationally in a rapid way that hasn't really been experienced before, certainly in my lifetime, um, where people have had to fundamentally change their business. They've had to go online quicker than ever. They've had to communicate to new and different audiences and cultures and communities around the world. Uh, and that's touched everything from life sciences, medical devices, pharmaceutical, through to technology and consumer-facing organizations, but also uh, from a digital-first perspective where companies that maybe had, I don't know, 10 15% of their business in an online environment have had to move in a real agile manner to move a lot more of their business online. And that's been a real struggle for some. So it brings me nicely onto leadership, which is something I know you know a lot about uh, in terms of leadership and coaching. And I was wondering if you could touch on a little bit about the difference between winning and losing leadership and coaching and how fundamentally important that is, particularly when you're, as, as you have, coached people to gold medal performance wins at Olympic game level, which is staggering. Uh, maybe you could just talk a little bit about the relationship between leadership, creating winners and, and the importance of that, because I think it would resonate with not just uh, from an, an exercise and fitness perspective, uh, and of course, from a, an international swimming perspective, but to business, it, it's vitally important at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, look, I, I honestly believe um, that, that leadership is something that's, that's either intrinsic within us or it isn't. And I think that leadership can be coached and developed, but I don't know that it can be created from scratch. I think that great leaders probably reflect back on their childhoods and can remember the times when they were out playing with the kids in the street, but they were in charge of those games. They were the ones that said, look, we're going to play this game today and these are the rules. And there's, there's something that's, um, that, that, that's natural or almost genetic within certain people that they have an affinity towards, um, towards that leadership type role. And I think it's there from a very early age. I think that there are, you know, there's some fantastic books out there that are, that are written by some wonderfully educated people. Um, but I, I don't know that there's a syringe with leadership in it that you can just inject into somebody and they become world-class in that field. I think that there's, a, that there's an embryo of something within us that, that either can be developed or it just isn't there. So that's the first thing. Um, now, that doesn't mean that people who are not leaders can't be successful because there are some amazing, amazing number twos out there and amazing people that, that, uh, that, that are chalk face and, and deliver under that leadership and they're world class in that field. So um, people who struggle to have uh, those leadership abilities, um, you know, shouldn't be thrown in the towel and saying, well, that's me done. I'm, you know, I'm, never, I'm never going to achieve anything because that isn't the case. So that's, that's the first thing. I would say the second thing around leadership is um, it, it's, a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle um, where if a piece is missing, there's no point in even starting the jigsaw puzzle. 
you know, because if there's a bit missing in the middle, there's nothing more frustrating than looking at that. And, and that creation of an environment, which is the holistic jigsaw puzzle, is, is the key thing that, that a leader has to have in their mind all the time. And, and creating the environment is, is bringing together all of the best resources that you can and ensuring that they're, that they're connected and that there's alignment and, and that wherever possible, because you know, the nature of humans is that we don't always operate in a smooth linear direction all of the time. You know, there are peaks and troughs and there's bumps in the road and impediments and barriers thrown, thrown, thrown in, in our way. Um, but that you bring your human resource and you bring your physical resource together, but you, you never sit back and say, okay, that's done. That will now work. It's constantly monitoring and evaluating and talking and nudging and cajoling to, to, to keep that moving in a, in a progressive direction. And the, and the, where you talked earlier about um, the importance of, you know, technology and where people have got that right. Um, You'd never want a pandemic, right? But you'd but you'd you'd want it in 2020 over 1975, any day of the week. You know, imagine imagine what this would have been like um, if we'd have all been sat with three channels on the TV and uh, you know a, a hardwire phone line, and that's it. You know, that would have that would have been a, a horrific situation, and businesses would have failed left, right, and centre. It's technology and it's and it's online that have rescued businesses, and and I think those that that have failed or have fallen away or are struggling, and that and I include sports and national governing bodies of sports within that, are those that haven't had that agility to recognise that the. The, the days of jumping in the car and driving across the country for a meeting or jumping on a flight for a meeting, um, they're certainly gone for the moment and they may be gone for quite some time and they may never come back. And so, you know, here we are today having this online conversation that if we went back 10 or 11 months, you or I would have met in a coffee shop in Dublin and we would have had it face to face maybe. And those times have, those times have changed. And I think, that, I think that we've learned from that and you never want to say that there's some positives that come out of a, of a pandemic that's killed millions of people. But if there are some twisted positives that have come out of this, it's that, we, that we've learned this, that we've learned that we can, we can reduce our carbon footprint by having meetings in this way. Uh, we can still sell products and services, but in a less traditional way that we might have done in the 70s, 80s and 90s. And the companies that already had an online presence are flourishing because they've just built it and the companies that that haven't got an online presence in the vast majority of cases um are, are the ones that now are, are playing catch-up and um and i don't know that post pandemic uh whenever that may be that things will go back to the the regularity of maybe 2019 and 2018 and how things how things were before that so We've all learned new skills and we've all learned this an amazing adaptability by hook or by crook. We've had to learn it. You know, we've had our arm up our backs to, to learn how to do this. Or we, 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 um, we look failure in the face. And so that's, that's been crucial. And, and as such, when, um, when we do come the other side of this, 
there will be a very different working um, atmosphere and environment in 99% of society, you would say. That's, a, that's huge. Um, it, it's interesting what you say, because th there have been several pieces that I've read recently and in a lot of uh, conversations that I'm part of, some people are saying that, I mean, on one hand, of course, the pandemic, it, it's been terrible. People have lost their lives and we're still not through it. Um, the other side of that coin, um, if, if there is another side of the coin, is that some commentary is that it's actually significantly sped up where we are as a society. The, the, the blended approach to working, the blended approach to travel, the, the, this new way of suddenly realizing that you can you can conduct a lot of your international business online and that for a lot of organizations not all I know some organizations are really struggling but for a lot of organizations in a lot of sectors uh, that I speak to their business has actually flourished and 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 positively increased um, so it's very interesting to see how you know, I'm not sure whether it's, it has moved us forward five or 10 years, but your point is not lost on me that, you know, does it ever go back to normal? What is the new normal? And the other quote that stuck with me recently was somebody said to me that it's not uh, working from home anymore. It's just working. And uh, I know that's a little bit diff difficult for an international gold medal swimming coach who needs to be poolside, I'm sure. Um, but for a lot of people who have suddenly realized that their roles can be conducted quite effectively from home they no longer have to commute you mentioned about the environmental positive impacts that we that we've seen uh, from that it, it is quite interesting so on that note let, let's move the conversation on a little bit and if i can maybe talk a little bit about um adversity a little bit about the challenge because i know recently you were talking uh, about the importance of high quality practice the art of coaching and how you know you have to attempt things and you have to keep trying at things and I was wondering your thoughts on that when it comes to business because some businesses are trying to move agile they're trying to move online and they're struggling with it others are, are doing really really well but it, it you know from a learning style perspective through explanation and demonstrations and um, I suppose from a coaching perspective have you any thoughts on that John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, th th this is this is a, a wonderful topic um, where it, it's one of those that when you start talking about it, you, you start you can actually start getting lost in your own thoughts as to as to where this goes. I would say that what, what I've discovered um, in working with high performance athletes and, um, and and how that transfers into other walks of life where where people would aspire. To, to consider themselves to be high performing. Um, the, first, the first thing is nothing is neutral. So every decision that you make, every decision that you make and every action that comes from that decision either moves you in a positive direction or a negative direction, but it really just keeps you where you are. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the, that, that, that old adage of, um, uh, you know, failing to plan is, is planning to fail. Um, that, that, apps, that in this situation is absolutely key. 
But part, part of that process is being willing and ready to throw the plan away the moment the rules change, the moment the regulations change, the moment the restrictions change, the moment the, the number of cases go up, the number, the, the number of cases go down. One of the hardest things that our athletes had to deal with was the period from March to April where they were unable to train because we had heavy restrictions hit uh, because the, the pandemic had, had got out of control. But the Olympic Games had not been cancelled at that point in time. So while the Olympic Games were still scheduled to happen in the summer of 2020, that was the most stressful time for coaches and athletes. That was where mental health was being challenged because the, the goal that they'd all been working towards uh, for a minimum of four years and for some a lifetime um, was still there but they couldn't do anything about achieving what they needed to at that goal. And when the Olympic Games got, got postponed to the summer of 2021, some, some uh, people suggested that that was, a, that was a calamity and it would break athletes and, and so on. It actually did the opposite. It was actually the biggest relief because at that point we could say, all right, guys, you've now got, you know, best part of a year and a half here where we can do some online uh, gym training with you. We might not have a pool, but we can get you together online and we're going to get some equipment to you in your homes. And we were in the milder part of the year when it came to the weather. So you can do some work in the garden and so on. And, um, and there, was, there, was a, there was a huge relief. Um, and so for me, uh, having, having the, the, the target in place but the ability to try and work towards that target was was the really challenging bit. But when it shifted and it gave us that extreme quality that we all love, that of time, um, th th things were a lot better. So that, that would be that would be the first thing would be that um, we, we suddenly were able to make positive plans that would have a positive impact on a qualifying for the Olympic Games and b delivering at the Olympic Games. So this notion of every decision you make will move you down one route or another, but it won't leave you stood in the same place. Um, and then the second thing would be um, every day in, uh, in the world of business, in the world of sport, in the world of uh, uh, being a, a world-class musician or, an, or being a world-class actor or being a, uh, an extremely proficient academic, whatever it may be, every day you don't get back you know the, the the clock is ticking now the clock is ticking um for business and sport all the time because if you don't get it right within a within a particular window of opportunity quite often that window of opportunity closes very very quickly now in other areas it's open much longer so if you want to be a concert pianist and deliver to um hundreds and thousands of people on a stage you know, I think that you can you can start that at the age of 10, but you can also start that at the age of 40. You have the luxury of time. The later you start, the less likely you are to achieve it, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. But in our world, unless you get things right within a particular limited window of opportunity of your lifetime, there is no time machine to go back and put it right. Age actually has um, a, a, a massive impact on whether or not one of our athletes 
can honestly look in the mirror when they retire and say, that is the best that I could have been and I couldn't have done any more. And I think business is the same, that there are windows of opportunity where if, you, if you're not, again, we go back to that agile thing again, if you're not ready to be impactful within that period of time, that time can, that time can get lost very, very quickly. And then somebody else has taken that opportunity. And no matter what you do then to try and catch up, how you scrabble back up the hill to try and catch, someone's already, someone's already there. And I think that that's where uh, high performance sport and high performance uh, business have got a huge amount of alignment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of the parallels between business and sport there, it, it, it's quite apparent. I wanted to ask you then, you, you mentioned uh, mental health. Um, and during the year that we've had, uh, and I'm sure that the next six to 12 months that as we face it, um, you know, th there's kind of introverts who maybe have enjoyed a little bit of not having to interact as much. Uh, but on the other side of the scale, there are sort of extroverts uh, and the vast majority of people who have felt and struggled really in a lockdown situation uh, with mental health, with well-being, and particularly with um, exercise and fitness. And I'm just wondering your wondering about your views on the some say the crucial role that sport and exercise will play when it comes to the mental health and well-being of people and and your thoughts on how important that is because it, there is there is a, a a discussion taking place that there's a responsibility almost on sports uh, and on the exercise community that they have a real critical role to play not just in their own local community but on an international scale in terms of, you know, improving a nation's health, for example. That's absolutely true. And there's a myriad of um, research out there that, that constantly suggests that the relationship between physical health and mental health are, are bonded. You know, they go hand in glove. Um, in, in many ways, for, for so many of us um, working from home now, and as you say, it's no longer working from home, it's just working, um, where we've set ourselves up in the kitchen or in a back bedroom or in a, you know, a spare room in a house with, with our laptop in place and so on. I think it's actually created time for people to have less excuse to, to not deal with some form of physical exercise. And the time that's spent in the car for a lot of people commuting every day has gone. You know, having to jump in the car, um, you know, if you take Dublin as an example, which is, you know, um, a world of pain to get in and out of on, on most days of the week. Um, that hour and a half you might have spent in the car going to work and similarly trying to get out of the traffic coming back again, that's time gained. Um, and so, you know, to... Uh, to, to now find yourself a, a YouTube video where you can where you can do a little bit of exercise in your kitchen or in your in your back garden when it's uh, when it's not raining and so on, that's there. That's there for us all now to make the most of, and um, and I think people have people have recognised that, particularly when that that sort of direct human interaction of a real person in a real room um, is missing, um, and. You know, you and I talking now, we can see each other on the screen and so on. But 
you know, the, the fact that we can't shake hands afterwards and we can't pat each other on the back for a job well done today and so on, that, that, that is lost, that is missing. And we, we will need some of that back. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I do, I do go back again to the, the fortunate times that we're in for a pandemic to hit. And although that sounds like a really bizarre and twisted kind of statement, but the, the fact that we have, um, the fact that we have technology, the fact that we can, you know, FaceTime a grandparent in a, in a different town, a different county or a different country and see them. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, if we want to, if we want to relax after a hard day's work, you know, we've got um, online streaming channels with our TV and we, and we, we have the internet where we can read anything that we want. We don't need to own the book. We can, we can quite often find it online. And we don't have to go to the bookstore to buy a book. We can download it onto our Kindle. You know, all of that kind of um, uh, progress that, we, that we've made, I think has, has, has made this more bearable and would have been horrific if we, if we went back 20 or 30 years as, as, as to that. Um, but there's, um, yeah, there's, there, there's no doubt that um, people will have been challenged um, during, during this time. Those who, those who live alone particularly will have been challenged and their social networks um, in their local village or their town um, or being able to go to work and, and, and just, seeing a, just seeing a human face. That does, that does make it difficult. But we all have a responsibility in society that if we know such a person, that we reach out to them. Because those of us that live in a fortunate situation of living with a husband or a wife or a partner, living with our, living with our children, um, we maybe don't recognise that. But the next door neighbour or the guy down the street or the, or the guy the other side of the village, um, we, we need, if we know such a person, then we, we need to take a social responsibility to support and help them. And even just dropping them a line for 10 minutes and, and having a bit of a chat about nothing um, can make a world of difference to people. Thank you very much. Um, I can't let you go today as we come towards the end of our uh, recording without asking you a couple of questions about yourself and your own career, um, because it it is... Um, a very interesting career with some huge highs and I'm sure a lot of hard work behind the scenes. When you look back at your own career so far, because I know you're involved in so many things at the moment, you're, you're pretty full on in terms of your, your global responsibilities. What, what things stand out to you in terms of your own career? What, are, what have been the highlights and has there been any sort of key learnings along the way that you'd like to share with the audience today? Well, as there's no greater satisfaction in, in my field than directly coaching somebody to an Olympic gold medal. Because in our sport, the Olympic Games is, is, the, is the, the height of the stratosphere that you're, that you're constantly seeking. Um, and so to, to work with an athlete over a period of years and to go to an Olympic Games and, and deliver um, the, the ultimate performance, um, that's extremely difficult to ever, ever feel again. It, I suspect, and I've only done it the once, there are people who have done it more than once. I suspect 
um, that the, the second time it feels good, but it just doesn't feel quite as good as the first time, you know. Um, and, you know, in, in coaching of world records, which I've done and in coaching of world championship medals and so on, um, that, that's, never been, that's never been beaten. And I think it's one of the reasons that I'm now here in Ireland in, in a job that's effectively coaching the coaches rather than coaching the athletes directly. Because after London 2012, I, I spent another four years effectively trying to repeat my life's ambitions that I'd already achieved. And although I was, I was certainly driven and I wanted to do very, the very best for the athletes that, that were in my care, after 2016, I had to question how many more Olympic cycles I wanted to do doing the same thing. And the, the answer that I gave myself after an awful lot of self-reflection was maybe the way that you, can, that you can feel that glow and that buzz again similarly is, is to know that you've helped somebody else feel the same thing that you've felt. And so in becoming the performance director for, for Ireland, my job now is to try and find a way for a coach or more than one coach to absolutely feel that, that, that wonderful warmth and tremendous sense of glory and honor that that, that that brings when you help an athlete to, to deliver at that highest level. So that, that's the, the pinnacle of, of um, my, my career thus far. But as you say, uh, my career now is about trying to find a way for coaches who are working with Irish athletes to, to, to feel the same thing. And um, uh, I don't know that that will, will happen in Turkey because I don't know that we've had a long enough run uh, uh, doing this. Um, but, we're, but we're certainly going to do everything that we can to, to get there. But, you know, we've got Paris in 24 and Los Angeles in 28 and um, we'll, we'll be working uh, every day of the week, every hour of the day, leaving no stone unturned, making as many of those decisions as we can in the positive direction rather than in the wrong direction to ensure that all of those marginal gains we just aggregate on a daily basis to try and get to, you know, that, that's the, the, the ultimate achievement in certainly in our sport anyway. Well, John, I want to say congratulations to you on your career so far, um, because, I mean, not only have you directly coached three world records, uh, you know, European Commonwealth records, uh, but also Olympic gold. Um, it, it, it's truly uh, impressive. So congratulations on your career to date. Uh, it is uh, great to have you here today on this episode of Vista Talks. Um, so thank you very much indeed for sharing your thoughts on some of the um, topics that we've touched on today. I hope it's of interest to our listeners. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it'll be of interest to our listeners. There's some great parallels between the world of sport, wellness, health, well-being, uh, and business. And as we all are in this together in a, in a global context, I think some of your points that you've raised today will, will truly resonate so I wanted to thank you genuinely thank you for your time today it's always a pleasure speaking to you um, is there anything that you'd like to add or anything that we've missed um, that you'd like to add before we wrap up today 
I don't think so, Simon. I, I mean, I very much appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you. And, and it's actually really refreshing and, and, and good for me to, to speak on something other than swimming, diving or water polo for, for once in a while. And although we have spoken about that a little, um, you know, my, my, my passion is, uh, is with leadership in, in, in a general sense. And what I can learn, and what others can can learn from me too. So um, the opportunity today has been has been terrific, and it's uh, and it's been great that we've had a chance to speak on on something that that wouldn't be the norm that I would speak with on a daily basis. So so thank you for the opportunity. It's my pleasure. So that brings us to the end of today's Vista Talks. It's been a privilege to speak with Dr. John Rudd, as I'm sure you know at this stage, is an Olympic gold medal swimming coach and, of course, Ireland's National Performance Director. So thank you very much indeed, John. Thank you to everybody listening. And please make sure to tune in in the future to further episodes of Vista Talks where we'll be discussing more interesting discussions with interesting people from around the world. 